With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Uh, happy Tuesday. No, I'm sorry. Happy Wednesday. It is hump day. Uh, happy Wednesday to you and yours. I am in great spirits today. Uh, I spent most of the morning, uh, pro- good two hours, uh, 45 minutes on my Stairmaster, listening to gospel music, and then just another hour and 15 minutes recovering from my <laughs> workout on my Stairmaster, listening to gospel music. I tuned my heart, and, and again, I listened to a lot of gospel music, but today was vitally important because I needed a great workout, and I needed to tune my heart, I needed to uplift my spirits, uh, and I did that today, and so I'm just, I'm, I'm just in a better mood and a better spirit because I let Maverick City and Tasha Cobbs and Rance Allen and uh, Al Green, uh, <laughs> I let them uh, speak to me this morning. Uh, man, and it was awesome. And it has me feeling very positive and very good. And you know, a lot of times I, lis- I listen to gospel music on my drive in and my drive-in is very short. It's five to or yes, eight to ten minutes driving in. Uh, but when you take two hours to tune your heart, I mean, your heart really gets in tune. And so, I'm just sharing that with you all. If you're wondering why I'm in such a good spirit, now look, I'm dressed like a bum. I got this uh, whatever hoodie or pullover or whatever I got. It's kind of cold here in Nashville, and so. Uh, but anyway, I'm feeling awesome, and that means uh, we're going to have an awesome show, a fantastic show. T.J. Moe uh, will join us. Shamika Michelle will join us. Dave Shannon, the Idaho Potato, uh, will join us. Pastor Anthony Walker will be here in studio for Tennessee Harmony. Just an awesome, fantastic show. We'll talk some NFL. We'll talk some NHL. Yes, you heard me. We're going to talk about the National Hockey League. Uh, We're going to talk about uh, Bryson Gray. Uh, Bryson won't be here, but we're going to talk about him because yesterday he put out a a song, uh, Alex Jones and Kanye. It's one of the best, hardest rap songs I ever heard. Me and Shamika will talk about that. We'll talk about uh, Shamika's that debate performance that she had over the weekend. I promised y'all we'd talk about it yesterday. We're gonna talk about it today. Uh, and then we'll get into uh, Tennessee Har- Oh, we'll, we'll, Shamika and I will also talk about Kanye West being sued for $250 million by uh, George Floyd's baby mama. 
uh, and then we'll get into some Tennessee Harmony because Tennessee Harmony is actually going to connect. Now, I just l rattled off all these different topics, but Tennessee Harmony is going to bring it all home and connect everything we're talking about. And Dave Shannon and Pastor Anthony and I will have a great discussion about something going on in Australia that I think is foreshadowing what's going to be going on here in America. And again, it's connected to that slippery slope I was talking about yesterday. So fantastic show uh, planned for you. Uh, I want to tell you about one of our fantastic sponsors, uh, my favorite sponsor, or one of my, well, it's, it's connected to food, so it's probably my favorite sponsor. No, I'm not going to lie to you. Good Ranchers. Good Ranchers has been with us uh, almost from the inception, and they continue uh, to show amazing support for me, you, this show, America, and what we believe in. They've got an October feast going on right now that's incredible, where you can get more than four pounds of free meat with your order. I think it's two pounds of, of Wagyu beef and two and a half pounds of really great organic chicken. It's an amazing deal. You get it all free with the purchase of one of their bundle boxes. You got to treat yourself. They're calling it an October feast. It's all about Halloween and not going to the grocery store and getting that spooky meat with spooky bacteria. You can get homegrown meat and guys, you've heard me stress this over and over and over again. It's these tiny little things that we can do that will make a difference. And supporting a business like Good Ranchers that supports American farmers, American ranches, American people, our way of life that has respect for our values, that you don't have to worry about what's on the you know, made here in America, you know it's actually made here. You actually know it's good American meat and you're supporting American farmers and ranchers. You know that. This mystery meat you get at the grocery store that comes from God knows where, you don't have to do it. Look, I'm gonna eat meat, you're gonna eat meat, we're all gonna eat. Now there may be some vegans and some vegetarians out there, but the rest of us that like meat, we're going to do it. Why not do it with Good Ranchers? Great price. You lock in your price for the, for the life of your subscription forever. You don't have to worry about inflation. You don't have to worry about someone screwing you over. You don't have to worry about anything. It's good American meat. You lock in the price. It's inflation proof. They're giving away more than four free pounds of meat, uh, two pounds of high quality beef, two and a half pounds of chicken. Listen, it's October. It's Halloween's around the corner. The real monster isn't under your bed or in your closet. It's at the grocery store, so skip it. Go to GoodRanchers.com. Uh, use my promo code FEARLESS. Go to GoodRanchers.com FEARLESS. Get your American meat delivered. Be a good, fearless soldier. This is one of the small things we can do to make a difference, to make an impact. We can support the people that are supporting us. Be a good, fearless soldier. Do that. All right. Uh, Wanted to get that off my chest. I'm passionate about that. You guys know I'm passionate about food. And I'm, someone told me today, Tiffany, our makeup said, oh, Jason, looks like you're losing weight, losing more weight. You look even better today. And I was like, yeah, I'm working hard. She could, see, I'm just at the whole gospel music. You get your mind right and everybody can see it. And they just start flooding you with positive comments because 
you're so positive. It, nothing needed, had to come out of my mouth. It's just that spirit was filled in me. And so people started saying positive things to me. And, you know, Tiffany lied to me and said, looks like I've lost some more weight. <laughs> anyway, uh, we're going to bring in TJ Mo. Let's talk some NFL. Let's talk some uh, Roger Goodell. TJ, I don't know if you saw this story. Uh, I think you did because I told you to look at it. Uh, but the NFL owners voted on Tuesday 31 to 1 to permit their compensation committee to open negotiations on a new contract with Commissioner Roger Goodell. Only one NFL owner, Jerry Jones of the Dallas Cowboys, offered any dissent. Jerry and Robert Kraft, the owner of the Patriots, actually got in some beef over this and they exchanged harsh words. But what fascinates me about this story, and I'm reading the ESPN story, and I, I want to read this passage here. Uh, in the two years since he received his latest contract, Goodell has helped usher in a new 10-year collective bargaining agreement with the union that added a 17th game, helped ensure that the NFL didn't miss any games during the COVID-19 pandemic, and landed long-term broadcast deals with the new and existing partners worth more than $100 billion. The NFL's popularity is unquestioned despite a myriad of concerns about the long-term health of players. A lawsuit from St. Louis over the Rams moved to Los Angeles that ended up in a $790 million settlement and repeated scandals and investigations into Washington Commander's owner, uh, Dan Snyder. And so ESPN is painting the picture that, you know, Roger Goodell has been a flaming success and that's why 31 of 32 owners, or actually it's uh, 30 of 31. Is that right? Yeah, because yeah, the yeah, Green Bay Packers Green Bay. don't have an owner. Yeah, Green Bay yeah. doesn't have an owner. But it, whoever represents them voted along with this as well. And it, I'm reading this story and I'm like, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Roger Goodell is this big flaming success. And, and I don't know what I'm talking about. All the ownership is pleased and happy with him. Uh, this guy's, you know, the greatest thing since Pete Rozelle is, is that, and I'll tell you what's also funny to me, this is the last little tidbit before I turn it over to you, but they don't mention that Brian Flores and these black coaches are suing, a handful of coaches yeah. are suing uh, the NFL. That, that's not mentioned. And again, I don't blame Roger Goodell for that, but they talk about all these problems and somehow the media makes a big deal that we got this black coaches controversy. We're giving away third and fourth round picks for people that sign black coaches or hire black coaches, but that's not mentioned at all. And so th this article seems a bit bought and paid for by Roger Goodell and his handlers, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Roger Goodell is a big flaming success. Is, is, am I wrong? Am I wrong? So they did not mention Brian Flores. They didn't mention the Ray Rice debacle. They didn't mention the concussion lawsuits from 2011 and that settlement and how the NFL has become feminized and um, not even the same game over the last decade. Um, they didn't mention how he totally mishandled Colin Kaepernick in the only time in the NFL's history they had a collapse in ratings, right? He's actually mishandled all sorts of things, but it depends on how you quantify how he's handling things because the NFL owners don't care about ratings. They care about money. And if you look, he came in in 2006. The uh, total revenue of the NFL in 2006 was $6.5 Today, it's $17.2 
So we're in a position where he's tripled the revenue of these guys in a very short time. And so <clears throat> that's ultimately what they care about. And, and the dissent that you discussed, if you read further on in the article, Jerry Jones didn't actually dissent as far as saying he shouldn't be commissioner. All he said was, hey, I don't want to pay him that much unless he does the stuff that I want him to do. And so he's, it, we're talking about these owners caring about money. Jerry Jones cares about money the most. He's saying, let's pay him less if he doesn't come through on these very things. That, that's I, I'm the gonna, thing. Oh, let, let, I want to stop you there and just say, I wouldn't characterize Jerry Jones's dissent that way. That's the way it's presented. That, that, that's, but I don't think that's reality. Jerry wants to hold him accountable and doesn't want to just keep handing him money. And that's a fallback position. When you have that overwhelming support, Jerry's not going to let the story come out that he wants Roger Goodell fired, because trust me, he wants Roger Goodell fired. But he can't even argue that right now because all the rest of ownership is so on board with him and he doesn't want to be an outlier. So he's just saying, can we at least just hold this guy accountable? Could, could we not just hand him these bonuses on these vague terms that we keep spelling out? This guy, again, I think in the story it said Roger Goodell in a two-year window made $128 million. Yep. And, and, and Jerry, Jerry, like, again, the more money you pay him, the harder it is to deal with him. Trust me on this. Take Dan Snyder, the owner of the Commanders. He can't stand Roger Goodell. He's yeah. been bullied and backed into a corner where he has to support Roger Goodell because these NFL owners, Jim Mersey, talking about, hey, there's merit to getting rid of him. Roger Goodell and his cohorts, in my view, Dan Snyder can't say this, but in my view, is orchestrating a lot of the problems Dan Snyder is experiencing. This is mm -hmm. Game of Thrones type war going on. People can't say what they really, really think. But if you, you know, I've been following this for a long time. Dan Snyder, Jerry Jones, if you listen to Papa John, Ball State grad, friend of mine, these guys hate Roger Goodell. Roger Goodell is playing a great game of chess against his detractors and has backed them into a corner so much that 31 of the 32 NFL franchises say, hey, look, let's just give him this money. We don't even want to put stipulations. We don't even want to make him accountable for all this money we're paying him. They're building a better Frankenstein. Could be. That's a fair argument. I, I think Jared Jones has more influence than you're giving him credit for. He virtually single-handedly moved the Rams out of St. Louis. I mean, that wasn't going to happen without Jerry Jones getting a whole bunch of these owners who were against it. Remember, when the uh, they had the committee out in uh, the with the Chargers when they were going to do the split stadium in a, in a different place, the Chargers instead of the Rams, they had them out in five out of six on that committee recommended something else. The owners... Jerry Jones came in, put his arm around everybody and said, why don't we do this? And so I do think he's got more influence. I don't think he'd be the only guy sitting in there. If he wanted some allies, I think he'd get his allies. Um, he, you don't, you disagree. I think he huh. had, H-A-D, had a lot of influence. And here we are, two, three, four, five, six, seven years later, 
and he's lost his leverage. This is a moving game of thrones that Roger Goodell is winning. Most of these guys are cowards. Uh, they just want to protect their money. They're not real patriots. Jerry Jones is on an island right now. When, when, trust me on this. Dan Snyder hates Roger Goodell. Yes. He voted. No question. He voted along with the crowd to save his own rear end. They have a gun to his head. And part of that gun was Jim Ursay saying, you know what, there's merit to getting rid of Dan Snyder. That was Jim Ursay cocking a gun at Dan Snyder's head on behalf of Roger Goodell. This is House of Dragons, Game of Thrones, Jerry's, Jerry's like King Viserys in, in House of Dragons. He's old, his, his influence is waning. The stuff you're talking about he did with St. Louis and all that and moving the Rams and all that was when he was at the height of his powers. He's no longer at the height of his powers. Uh, people are, you know, they're probably thinking more about Stephen Jones than Jerry Jones. And, mm -hmm. and all the little maverick innovations and the, the deals that Jerry cut for the Cowboys that were good for him, all that stuff's in the rearview mirror. Right now, what you're looking at, and again, it's, it's a shotgun marriage, but if I went full Game of Thrones, all these guys are bending the knee and pulling out their swords and saying, I'm with House Goodell. And I, I, got, I don't like Goodell. I don't like what he's done, but I got to say hats off to him. He's winning this Game of Thrones. So... We're getting hung up on the one guy because we do agree on the rest. Um, fair argument on Jerry. I, I'm not sure he's quite knocked off his horse the, the way you do, but the uh, we are in agreement of this. The average owner is 71 years old. These guys, when they when they get to the end, most of their kids, unless it's a family business, right, with the Roonies or whatever, like we just saw with Denver, the kids would love to keep it. They can't pay the taxes. And so they sell them at the end. These guys are fine with Roger Goodell destroying football so long as they get paid in the short term. These guys are all going to die in the next 10 to 20 years. We know that. There's very few young owners. What is it? Hadley gave me a stat. 87% of these guys are 60-plus years old, right? There's very few guys that are in the early part of their life. So they want to get as much money as possible, and this money is locked in for the next decade, right? They're, they're getting $17 billion from last year. Coming up this year – uh, for the 23 season, they get to rework the NFL Sunday ticket, which will probably double. It's $1.5 billion per year right now with DirecTV. They're now shopping that to Google and Apple, trying to figure out who wants to pay $3 billion, right? And so you've got Amazon locked in for a $1 billion a year, just showing Thursday night football. CBS is locked in for $2.1 billion a year. ESPN and ABC 2.7, right? Fox at 2.2, NBC at 2 billion. They're making so much money right now that they don't care. And it's not even gonna affect their family in the future because they're gonna sell these teams still at some point, probably in the next 10 years, 15 years when they die and they'll get paid. So it doesn't matter if the long-term is that football is going to torpedo, which it is if it stays on the trajectory that Roger Goodell has put it on. But again, he deserves in their minds, some credit because the, the, if you look at the least valuable team right now is the Bengals, that's $3 billion, right? The, uh, Jerry Jones bought, this is 1989, but it was $140 million, million. 
and it's now worth over $8 billion, according to Forbes. So these guys are making so much money because the revenue is going up and they're getting locked into these contracts. So then the value of their franchise goes up. And even Snyder, he doesn't want to leave, but he would have made a killing if he's got to sell his team right now. All these guys do. So as long as Roger Goodell and the back alleys can keep making these deals, keep the players happy enough, let's add another game, let's get some more TV contracts, let's get the revenue up to $20 billion. Well, when they got to sell their team, their family's taken care of forever. They don't, the, the demise of football doesn't have anything to do with them. They'll be dead. I, I, I think, TJ, my other takeaway and why I was disappointed and shocked reading this article, and, and maybe I'm going to have to unpack these thoughts in a column, is, is that this is a signal that Black Lives Matters won and that the woke have won. That Roger Goodell uh, and this backing of Roger Goodell is like, hey guys, Colin Kaepernick and all the woke stuff and you know, we're gonna put stuff, stickers on helmets and we're gonna put writing in the end zone and we're gonna do the little Inspire Change initiative. Trust me guys, we're gonna, we're gonna sell out to the Marxists and we're gonna be fine. We're gonna make even more money. And that argument, these owners are sitting around going, yeah, Jerry's right. And you know what? The fact that we've sold out America and the fact that uh, we, we're betraying all the values we said we stand for doesn't matter because we're making more money. And so what I see in Jerry Jones is, uh, you know, a king that has lost. And he, he's stood his ground single-handedly amongst a bunch of cowards who have now just said, you know what, we're going to take this money. Our family's going to be fine. I'm going to be fine. And he, my, my grandkids will be fine because they'll have a bunch of money. And the fact, you know, the, the communist system, the China system takes care of the elites quite well. And so my kids and family will be perfectly fine. We're selling out America. That's my other takeaway is like, this dude is one. He's spiking the football. And, and the, the only argument that Jerry had grounds to stand on was like, could we at least hold him accountable, guys? And the ownership said, nah, we don't want to do it. Uh, Rogers made us too much money and screw America. Again, th th this is a bunch of people waving the white flag. A bunch of them just said, well, I'm going to take this money. I don't care what football stood for. I don't care about American culture and values. We're making a bunch of money under this. And it, the, the only possibility, the only reckoning is if it's an inflation inflated bubble that will explode and collapse and maybe audience will go away. Maybe all this money TV networks are showering and Amazon and all these people are showering on them maybe that will all evaporate at some point. Because yeah, we, we've printed all this money in the last two to three years. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's why they're making so much money. That's why these TV networks, we've been flooded by money from China. I, I, I'm <laughs> Americana, that whole thing. And, and, and this, I'm gonna have to unpack all this because I'm, I'm bringing all these thoughts to, but it's just like what Saudi Arabia has done with the PGA Tour and, and, and how no one cares. The golfers, Phil Mickelson, no, there's a big check involved. 
I could care less and I'll sell out this league, this American league, but, but I'll sell it out because Saudi Arabia is cutting a check. Similar things happening right here in the NFL. will sell out all of their values because there's a big check involved. It's a sad day. I don't think Roger Goodell has been a success. He's made, you know, these owners a bunch of money, but he has sold out America. And I'm, me and Jerry Jones will be the only people uh, holding him accountable, but, you know, and we'll probably be in jail or assassinated at some point, so uh, the rest of you have fun. Uh, <laughs> let me move to another topic that goes to my point, this exact point, the takeover of the NHL by the same group of people that took over the NFL. The National Hockey League, uh, according to the AP, uh, the National, not according to the AP, the National Hockey League held a press conference yesterday ad admitting this. Let me read from the story. Uh, NHL, its workforce, 84% white, sets baseline to up diversity. The NHL, for the first time, has done an internal demographic study of its staff and all 32 teams, and the results show that hockey has a lot of work to do to increase diversity at all levels. This is the AP, the Associated Press. The report released Tuesday found that 83.6% of the NHL's workforce is white and that men make up nearly 62% of the total based on the 4,200 people who participated in a voluntary and anonymous survey. It's about 70% of all their employees participated in this. And so the NHL, which I think you can say this, it's a white sport. No mm -hmm. one is sitting here shocked that uh, most of its employees are white. The NHL is a sport dominated by men. No one's sitting here uh, uh, surprised that white men dominate that sport on and off the ice. But everybody, the whole movement in America, and the whole movement across the globe is what can we do to unseat white men, heterosexual men, and just men in general. And they've got, black people are listening to this and, and black men are listening to this and get all confused. Yeah, this thing is hurting white men. No, it's hurting men. But you don't see that because they got that big race flag out in front of you and say, this is bad for white men. If it's bad for white men, it's good for me. No, this is bad for men. This is the whole movement to unseat male leadership. And so the NHL has created a problem. For the first time, this is according to the, has done an internal demographic study. They didn't do a study to see, hey, let's do a study and see if our employees are effective. They just did a check on the race of the employees as if Jason Whitlock and all of his friends were I had a dream. I wanted to work uh, for the New York Islanders. No, I didn't. And <laughs> uh, well, I'm sure it's not a bad job, but I just, you know, it's not a sport that I paid that much attention to, and, right. and neither did most. But there's, again, this whole thing, they're winning. The other side is winning. I want to play a clip from the, uh, uh, I think her name's Kim Davis, the black woman they hired uh, to fix their white man problem. Let's play the clip. 
Um, it says that we are where we expected to be, but now we have the facts to back it up. Um, I think the one area that we are um, are feeling positive about is that 38% of our workforce are women. Um, we've done a lot of work to improve in that area. Uh, and it's very consistent with our current female fan base of 40%, and so that's a great benchmark. Um, having said that, we know we have work to do with women of color, and we're leaning into that. Um, I think the, the thing that you should take away from the workforce uh, study is that it is a progressive outlook on how you begin to manage your talent. And it is progressive in that it's a self-identified report. So of our 4,200, approximately 4,200 employees across the league and the club, 67% of our employees participated in it, and this is how they self-identified. Um, and we will take this benchmark every two years and measure our progress over time. I'm going to predict that one day I'm going to come on this show and my head is just going to explode. Poof. It's just going to explode. Someone's going to say something so irritating and so just dumbfounded. My head's just going to explode. It almost just happened then. But I, correct, I was prepared. I had already watched the clip. And so I had taken the proper precautions so that my head didn't explode. Because I want to tell men, but particularly black men, the game that's being run on you. The NHL that has never had a female hockey player, has never had a female hockey player in the National Hockey League. They hired a black woman to fix their workforce problem that they've created. They didn't hire a black man. Hey, you know what? We're a male-dominated sport. Men have traditionally been fans of this sport and participating in this sport. You know, we got a diversity problem. Let's bring a black man in here to fix this. No, they brought a black woman in there. And you heard from her what's coming out of her mouth. We need to fix the diversity issue as it relates to women. So her plan is to install a bunch of black women in National Hockey League jobs. She ain't putting you in a job. She doesn't care about you, other than the fact to keep her foot on your neck and to keep you in a subservient role to her. I don't care if I sound like a sexist pig and misogynist. All I care about is God put you, me, TJ Moe, a bunch of other guys that come on this show, on this planet to serve in leadership roles. And you, many of you, are allowing race to distract you from being unseated from your leadership position. Don't be an idiot. That woman ain't thinking about you. She ain't thinking about the Bible. She's not thinking about male leadership. She's thinking about what's best for her. And that's who the NHL, I look at it, I see it in the, NF, in the NFL. They're putting women in all these male spaces. They're not thinking about you. 
they will pay lip service and have the media write all these stories. Oh, we need more black coaches. That ain't their agenda. They want more women, and that black woman's gonna hand out a handful of jobs to some black women who will know nothing about the NHL. She's mostly gonna be handing jobs to white women. Some of them actually know something about the NHL. But you'll be sitting around applauding and clapping and happy. Well, white man ain't getting nothing. I'm happy, makes my life better. They deny the white man, my life is better. You're an idiot. TJ, I don't have a question there. I just had to get that off my chest so my head won't explode. Explode. That was a good take. So um, Kimberly Davis, her position is the executive vice president of social impact growth and legislative affairs, which um, is a really long description for extortionist. And, you know, <clears throat> that that is not a position that should exist. Right. Diversity. This is not what I have come up with. I've read it somewhere and fully believe it. Better words than I came up with. Um, diversity is a description, not a goal. When you look at a place of merit, you'd say that's a really diverse place. And what you can look at is say, look, different cultures, people who come from different places are all succeeding. That's good. That's a description. To make that a goal completely undermines the meritocracy that you're trying to put forth. And it's so funny the way they do this, right? Because the argument in the NFL, we were just talking about Brian Flores, right? The argument in the NFL is that, well, look, you need to reflect the players, and 70% of the NFL is black. Why aren't 70% of that coaches black? Well, 84% of the people are white. Why are we looking and saying that, oh, we need to get a whole bunch of other people in here, right? And it, it, particularly with women, right? They're saying we need to get women there. Well, women can't play the sport because they're not physically capable. So now they've moved from the players to the fans. Well, we got 40% women as fans. And so that should be reflected in our executive pool. Why? I well, hold on, TJ. Like, hold on, hold on, hold on. I guarantee you, if they do a demographic study of NFL and NBA ticket-buying fans, uh, and, and even watching on TV, filling up those stadiums, that's going to be 70 80% white. And no sure. one will make the argument. Well, you know what? 70% of the Chiefs fans are white, so 77% of the players should be white. No one's going to make that argument. That's right. I'm sorry for interrupting you. Interrupting. No, no, it's good. Here's the other really stupid argument, right? Um, this is the one sport in America that is not dominated by people in the United States. Like 42% of the NHL is Canadians. Are all white people the exact same? I'm trying to figure out. 9% of them are from Sweden. 6.5% are Russia. Got a ton from the Czech Republic and Finland and Switzerland. It's like they're white, but they're not even from here. A lot of these guys, we, we got a guy in St. Louis, Vladimir Tarasenko speaks very, very broken English, right? He looks white. He is Russian. That's just, the, and so it's one of those sports that I tell you, the NHL can't get uh, less popular than it is, but they're trying. And so here's what they would, if you wanted a real, part of the reason that they're not very popular, aside from it just being a very expensive sport, you don't have tons of hockey rinks around, there's different reasons. But one of the things is that their messaging is atrocious. Instead of trotting out this, uh, woke loser, black lady, Kimberly Davis out there to say, you know, we're too white. What they could say by sending a oh, side note, by the way, the, the one thing I noticed when she was speaking is the two white old men idiots nodding along behind her as they hope to lose their own jobs. 
Okay. But what you could have said was, hey, look, hockey is a very niche sport. We don't like that. We think this is a sport for everybody. And obviously white people don't have a problem liking this. We love white people. They've supported our sport for a long time. I think black people would really like this too. I think the Asian community could like it. So what we're going to do is start initiatives to see if people in these communities embrace this sport. And we'll go from there. That's a winning message. But instead they said, we're too white and we're guilty of that. And we're sorry we didn't address this earlier. It's, it's, like, the, it's like the Oscars thing a couple of years ago. Oscars so white. And that was obviously everybody intuitively know, knew because of the culture. That's a bad thing. But I guarantee you your first instinct, if it said Oscars so black, you'd know that was a celebration. Everybody around would just say, oh, good, it's, it's, it's more black. Oscars so black, finally, we've made it. But when it's Oscars so white, I, we've not made any progress, to use that word. We're going to make a more progressive look. Progress in today's culture is defeating white people and making sure that they lose their job. doesn't matter who they are because, you know, all the white guys sitting up there in the executive roles or, or the trainers or whoever all looking around and saying, we're on the chopping block. I, I don't know why. I haven't done anything wrong, but I hope it's you and not me because we're all sitting here getting fired because we don't have a good enough tan. It's, it's a very destructive way to go about sports. I'm telling you, the NHL, and I am a fan of the NHL. I played hockey growing up. I love the Blues. But I'm telling you, it's not a sport that can afford to be losing fans, and they're well on their way. You can't run a business based on fanaticism and passion. You can't run it nearly as effectively with a bunch of employees who don't have an authentic passion for the game. It's just a job. And so this whole, again, if I had a job in the NHL, maybe I would get more into the sport, maybe, but it wouldn't be like having a job in the NFL or NBA. It would, you know, I'm gonna hate, I'm gonna crack a joke and dirty up my point, but again, it's like if I was a doorman at a strip club 10 years ago, I'd be very passionate about that job. And so I'd be a great employee. And, but, so now we just, oh, you know what? People that have had virtually no interest in hockey, that's who we want to uh, fill up our employee base with so we can meet some demographic outcome uh, that will please Kimberly Davis and this whole woke movement we got going on. I'm telling you, there's a through line to all of this, what you're seeing in the NFL, what you're seeing in the NHL with that press conference, the other side is winning in a landslide. They're just mowing these cowards down, just mowing, running right over them. And, and, and we got people celebrating this that don't understand. You're gonna be the next thing run over. None of this has to do with men. It doesn't matter what color, and it damn sure don't have anything to do with heterosexual Christian men. They're not about to install a bunch of heterosexual Christian black men in jobs in the NHL. I guarantee you the diversity they're looking for, if they reduce themselves to hiring any black men, they will be LGBTQ. Trust me, and they will call that progress. 
and you will sit like an idiot applauding your own demise. You better snap out of this racial idolatry, get into your Bible, realize who and what you are, and reject this nonsense. You are being destroyed. None of this has anything to do with you. Or they would have hired you or someone that looks like you to fix the problem. They went and got some black one. You think Kimberly Davis knows a damn thing about hockey? You think she's ever played the sport? She ain't even been on a video game. I used to love to play them NHL video games. That's from back when I lived in Ann Arbor and I was a bit of a Red Wings fan, but my head's, I, I gotta, I was, I start, remember I started this show talking about what great spirits I was in? And this is, this is why I listen to it, because I needed the strength to get through this show. Uh, TJ, thank you. Uh, I, I wanna, thank you, TJ, I'm gonna let you, because I need to transform myself here again, because I'm about to talk about my very favorite sponsor, <laughs> Preborn. Almost one out of every five Americans never have a chance to live outside the womb because of abortion. It's the leading cause of infant death in the world. Over 63 million babies have been aborted just since Roe v. Wade was enacted. And the plans are to abort a bunch more in the wake of its demise. The Ministry of Preborn and those of us here at The Blaze, we're partnering to save 50,000 babies in 2022. Preborn has a great history of saving babies. They've counseled nearly 500,000 women. They've saved nearly 200,000 babies' lives. They do this for a living. They do it in their sleep. It's very effective. You show a pregnant woman her ultrasound. She hears that baby's heartbeat. She sees that baby in the womb. She chooses life. Then Preborn steps in starts providing baby clothes and diapers and all the maternity care that she needs. It's not just, hey, we show you an ultrasound, have the baby, and then walk away. No, they step in, grab the woman's hand, and walk her through the process. Give her all the counseling and support she needs to get through the pregnancy, deliver that baby. Once they have that baby, it's the greatest blessing that a human being can receive. A baby, life. That's our purpose. Preborn supports our purpose. I need you. And you know what? I'm going to do it. You've seen me do it before. I'm going to hop on Preborn and give them some more of my money. Because that's in order for me to feel better about what we've just spent the past 30 minutes talking about. If I give up some money to Preborn, I'll feel better about myself. I'll feel better about this country. Uh, preborn.com slash fearless. Let's go cough this money up. Let's do something good today. Uh, let's be good, fearless soldiers. There's nothing we can do better. Nothing we can do more important than supporting these children in the womb. You don't have a laptop. You don't want to go to preborn.com slash fearless. All you got to do, pound 250, keyword baby, Cough up that money, $28 pays for an ultrasound. I think $140 pays for five ultrasounds. 
I'm, and I'm, you know, my accountant's going to be, is it, I think all this is tax deductible, but my accountant's going to be upset with me just because anytime I read this, I talk about this, I got to give up some money. I don't want, I'm not leaving you out there alone. We're doing this together. We're saving babies' lives together. I got to be a good role model. So anyway, preborn.com slash fearless, pound 250, uh, baby. Let's cough up this money. Let's support preborn. Let's be good, fearless soldiers. I'm doing it right now. We'll be back with uh, Shamika Michelle next. All right, welcome back. That donation to Preborn did help. I feel better. I'm now in the mood to invite Shamika Michelle into the show and uh, talk about her debate performance uh, this weekend. Her and Delano were in Washington, D.C. for the walkaway movement. They had a conservative versus liberal debate. They got kind of spicy. Uh, let's play a clip uh, from the debate where I think Shamika was going back and forth with, uh, well, I'm in a better mood, so I'm not going to call the woman an idiot, although I would like to. Uh, I'm not going to do it. I'm on my best behavior. I feel very good about myself. But anyway, let, let's, let's play a highlight or two here. Let's play the two highlights, and then, I'll, then there's a three-minute highlight I'll, I'll play once we bring Shamika on. But let's play the first two highlights back-to-back. They were treated with fairness and dignity and respect. There were, they were allowed to walk in. They weren't shot down like dogs they were, at the yes, doorway. Yes, they were actually shot. One they weren't was. shot. The woman shot herself, I thought. No, are you kidding me? I thought she had a good, okay. <laughs> no, it was a police officer who actually shot, shot her. All right, well, we got oh. one person trying. Okay, I'll, I'll recant my statement. My point still stands. They were not the woman overwhelmingly. The Babbitt shot herself. Leveled down, mowed down with artillery like black people would have been. So, yes, I think that the black community does actually need strong nuclear families, but not because we're black, but because that's the natural order. Amen. And so I think it would be safe to say that Reese may not be a Christian because when God looked at man, he said it's not good for man to be alone. He gave him a woman. He didn't Amen. give him a village. He didn't give him the community. He said, be fruitful and multiply to this man and this woman. So it's supposed to be God husband, wife, child. And that's the natural order. And that's why I think we can see some of the foolishness that we see in the black community because we are out of order. And we can make up all of this stuff that sounds good. I'm from a single parent home and I'm not somewhere cracked out in the street selling my body. However, that is not ideal. It would have been better for me to be in God's order to have a mother and a father to raise me. And that's just what it is. You know, the effect that it's had, we We've had women for generations now saying that they don't need a man and we have boys that don't want to be one. That was awesome. Uh, but I do feel like, Shamika, y'all were beating up baby seals. 
you know, a woman comes on the debate stage and thinks Ashley Babbitt shot herself and has to be correct. I didn't know. It, but anyway, it was a very lively last hour of that debate. How, how do you think it went? I think it went well, Jason. Initially, I didn't want to do it. I told Walkaway no for a couple of months before they act before I gave them a yes because I just feel like I can do informal conversations, but I'm not a debater. You know, we didn't have a debate team in my high school. Uh, I don't know if we had one in college, but it was not something I was interested in. So I just felt like, you know, this isn't really my thing. Uh, eventually, I was convinced to do it. I was told, hey, you have common sense. You know what you know. Get up there and debate like Shamika Michelle. You don't have to come into this debate trying to debate like someone else would. We want you to be you. So with that, I was I agreed and said, OK, but there was still this feeling of am I even prepared? Because these uh, two of them were attorneys. So I'm like, they've argued cases in court. You know, this is what they do for a living. But I just remain, you know, I stood fast and said, OK, I know what I know. And it's almost like when um David went to fight Goliath. You know, they wanted to put him on all this armor that just didn't belong to him. And all he needed was God on his side. That's kind of how I went in there. Like, okay, I don't have all of these accolades. You know, I don't have these degrees, but I know what I know. And so I think it went well, even though I got fussed out a little bit, I was pleased. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) You did uh, get a little but Listen, you have the truth on your side, and they're trying to use word salads and big words to defend lies, and that, that's why they started making no sense. And I, I, I almost, people were upset. I'm about to play the clip that people tried to get upset about, but you know, I told everybody, I was like, oh God, they, they so lucky I wasn't there. I there's a basketball player, we're not gonna show a clip. There was some, college basketball, low-level, professional basketball player, the Lord Hammer, I'd have just thrown him a basketball and said, shut up and dribble, man. You way (laughs) out of your depth. Uh, (laughs) So if they thought you were impolite, I would hate to think what they would thought of of me. But there there was a moment where, uh, you know, you went full Shamika uh, and, and perhaps kept it a little too real for him. When you went back now, are you and Reese friends? Did y'all know each other? No, I didn't know her before. I didn't know oh. any of them except for Delano. Okay, so at one point, uh, she's making her case for abortion and how women and black women have never had autonomy over their bodies. And Shamika went Shamika. I loved it. Not everyone loved it, but I loved it. Uh, So let's watch. This is about three minutes. Let's watch it. Enjoy. The point still remains that a woman has the right to decide what she wants to do with her body, her life, and that is her choice. And that is something that she has never had in this country. And now we are definitely seeing that being brought back. Now, I just want to ask Reese as a black woman if she had autonomy over her body when she cocked her legs up and got that baby in her skin. Okay, we're going to just go ahead and say, no, no, absolutely not. 
That is not how we will address our fellow panelists. That was Thank not you, how, no, Adam. you would, no, this, stop right now. All right. This is not how we talk as black folks in the community. We will not talk about a black woman cocking her legs over anything else. You will respect the people on this panel. You will respect the people in this room. You will respect yourself by talking in a manner and a fashion that is appropriate. Continue. Okay. I would like to ask Reese as a black woman, I mean, you got to spread your legs, don't you? I mean, that's what I thought. As a black woman, did you have autonomy over your body when you spread your legs and got that baby in your stomach? So we can talk as proper as we want to, but the truth is you decided to have children. And so what I want us to stop Okay, I'm going to interrupt you. You got seven seconds, but let me just go here. About the fact that black women don't have the ability My to fiance and I met my fiance and I met, we sat down after being engaged and wrote down a list of four names that we wanted to name our children after his mother and I'm sorry, his grandfather and my grandmother. We decided to plan a family. That this is, is not, the, we're not in color purple days where Mr. would just climb on top of us and do his business. This is 2022 and women have the ability to decide yes or no, I want to have sex or I don't. I want to take birth control or I don't. I want to have this baby or I don't. So we need to stop telling these lies as if we just happen to fall on a penis and get pregnant. That's not how it works. We actually have the choice to do that. And I don't care how Reese decided to sit down with her fiance, whether they marry or any of that. I want us to stop telling lies. And as someone who is a product of rape, since uh, Robert wanted to shut me up, as someone who is a product of rape, my mother was raped at 14, walking to cheer camp. I am that baby. So when y'all sit here and talk about something that is less than 1% of all abortions, as if that is the, the reason why we have abortions. That is not the truth. And I want us to stop lying about it. And I want us to be honest. And I want us as women to be responsible and have accountability and stop trying to blame everybody else for what's going on with our bodies. We have the ability and the right to choose. And that's just what it is. So <clears throat> when you're standing on a stack of lies and you know it and you're getting crushed in a debate, a tactic is, oh, I'm a victim and she's a victim. And you've crossed the line by saying uh, cocked legs. Now this man, and again, I, I debated with him over Twitter. Uh, after I saw this, either that night or the next day, I came at him and this whole little scolding or whatever. Now, he, he will walk by a drag show with kids and won't say a word. He ain't gonna tell nobody, stop this, shut up, we're not gonna blah, 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 this, that, and the third. He gonna walk by all of that. And so, and I told him this over social media, that you sitting there listening to a woman, and he said he was pro-life. He said he's on the left, but he said he's pro-life. I said, you sitting there listening to a woman lie in defense of the murder of babies in the womb, but what was offensive to you is a woman saying cocked legs to another grown woman. Crazy. I'm, I know what was more offensive to me 
And again, I, you took, I'm sitting at home watching on my laptop. You took the words right out of my mind. These people are lying. The devil is a liar. The devil's in our midst. They lying about killing babies. You're the product of rape. I understand why you got a little heated and went like, oh, is she going to lie? I'm going to call this lie out in the most provocative way possible to expose the lie. I don't have a problem with it. This is a grown woman. I'm so, we list, I guarantee Robert Patillo will be somewhere doing the electric slide, listening to Snoop Dogg and Cardi B talk about WAP and all this other stuff, but cock legs is the bridge too far. Miss me with that bull. Right. I, I kept my like, composure. Anyway, yeah. Shamiga. Yeah, I don't know if people could see she was pregnant. So for me, it was to say, you know, you don't have black women have never had body autonomy. That was a problem to me because I knew for sure that she had, you know, laid somewhere willingly to get pregnant and have this baby. So you're telling a lie and you're justifying abortion. And what I was not willing to allow her or any other woman to do was to put themselves on the same level as my mother or any other victim of sexual assault who actually didn't have a choice, who didn't have body autonomy. You're not on the same level. A lot of these women waltzing into these abortion clinics are doing it as a method of birth control. So I was not going to give her the, the luxury to put herself on the same level, to, to disrespect the first woman in my life, which is my mom. I wasn't having that. And when it came to Robert, you know, okay, if he felt like I needed to be corrected, so be it. What I had an issue with, though, was his level of aggression. I have a problem with any man who feels like they have to come at a woman that strongly who is not being combative or who is not trying to be uh, non-compliant. You know, that's just beta to me. It's real bitch. That was beta behavior. So for me, you know, there's a way to correct a woman. Of course, I say it all the time, but the level of aggression, you wouldn't meet that that with, with anyone else. They are chopping off the breasts of 13-year-old uh, little girls. They are castrating little boys, but you draw the line at cock, it says a lot. There are a whole lot of other things that I could have said, believe me. But, you know, the level of aggression for me, I thought was unwarranted. And it just, it spoke volumes as to, to where he draws the line and what kind of makes him upset. And it was crazy to me, you know, it just was ridiculous. And so I came back because I refused to let them shut me up on that point. I refuse for women to continue to lie in 2022 saying that they don't have rights. That's just not the case. And for my mother and any other victim of sexual assault, I'm going to always stand up for that. The whole affair and today's whole show is just an example to me. I'm sitting here thinking about how much more work, uh, an endless amount of work God has to do with me. Cause I promise you, uh, Saturday night when I was watching this, I, I was sitting there like, you know, I, I, I was been capable of slapping that man and, and losing my, and so I was glad I was at home and, and I certainly would have talked crazy to him and to her, just, just listening to the lies 
about this. They can't because Delano made the point about, or, or maybe it was the other guy on y'all's team made the point about how prevalent abortion is in the black community. Mm-hmm. And then this woman comes in and starts talking. Well, they can't even track the demographics of the race. It's just a mm-hmm. lie. She's yes. uh, well, they can, and so you, that's all speculation. And it's just a lie and a distraction. And it's like when when, <clears throat> when you deny people the truth, you're sentencing them to a bad outcome, and that's what's going on with too much of America too much of black culture, we're not standing on truth and we're not delivering the truth to people. And so for this woman to sit there and act like she's unaware that black babies are being slaughtered in Planned Parenthood facilities and in abortion clinics in record numbers at a rapid speed, that in New York, Delano I think pointed this out, in New York, more black babies aborted, or just as many black babies aborted as born. And it, she's distracting from that truth, because that's a powerful truth. And the truth sets you free. Mm-hmm. And there's somebody that clearly wants us enslaved, and they're doing it by denying us the truth. And so for me, sitting there listening to this woman lie about abortion, murder of a baby in the womb, if she wants to stand there and defend it with truth, I got no problem with it. But when you start going to lying, it, it does enrage me, and I could only imagine how upset you being a product of rape, the whole abortion issue, I don't blame it for triggering you. I, 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 I Hats off to you for being yeah. as composed as you were and only saying, you know, cock, I'm sitting there looking at a pregnant woman and talking about she ain't got no autonomy and we ain't never had no autonomy. Like a white man came and put a gun to her head and made her spread her legs and get pregnant. Cut right. it out. Exactly. Cut, ooh, and by, this little fantasy world. Right. By that time, <sighs> I was tired because every question she took back to slavery Every single thing she was asked, it was slavery this or Jim Crow that every single time. And so by this time, I'm just tired of the whole argument as if we have an attorney here who has excelled in life acting as if she hasn't been able to do the things that she wanted to do in this country. And so it was like, okay, it's time out for playing games. I I can't do this anymore. But I was really proud of myself. My grandmother watched. She said she was proud of the way I responded after his actions. And I try to be cognizant to not push a man's buttons intentionally because I really, after he did all of that, I could have said, suffering succotash, because we can all hear the (laughs) list, you know? But I just tried to, you know, compose myself and just so that I could make my point because I knew that my point was based on truth. And so I I wanted to make sure I got that out. Okay, uh, Shamika, I want to switch up topics. I want to talk a little Kanye West. We're going to do it. He's getting sued by uh, the baby mama, George Floyd's baby mama. We're going to do an approval rating on Kanye. Again, I'm, I'm saying 
this entire show, this entire conversation, it's all connected. Everything from what me, me and TJ were talking about to what we just talked about at abortion and just this attack on the truth and the ability to say the truth and how it's being outlawed and how, uh, up, and again, you can't have a search for truth without free speech. And so people may speak inaccurately, but you have to allow that in order to get to the truth. And so I don't care what side of the George Floyd argument that you're on. If you think Derek Chauvin, cold-blooded murderer and set out to assassinate George Floyd, that's your opinion, you're allowed to say it. I disagree with you, but I'm not offended by that's your opinion. If Kanye West wants to go on a podcast and say his knee wasn't really on his neck like that, I got no problem. This, if he had gone on and said, look, I think the dude OD'd on uh, fentanyl, I got no problem. All the man said was, I don't think his knee was on his neck like that. And George Floyd's baby mama is suing Kanye for $250 million. Kanye had given $2 million to this daughter's college fund. That I'm blown away by this. I, 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 I'm starting to believe uh, that Kanye uh, is being used by God. And again, it's not that I didn't believe it, but I, I'm, I'm really starting to believe it. He, he actually, he stood somewhere yesterday or the day before and gave an opinion about what's going on with him and he talked about being used by God. Let, let, let's play that clip. I love rappers, rappers are artists, but when media calls me a rapper specifically to not bring up the fact that I'm worth $11 billion, that I'm the richest black man of all time, that I'm a billionaire, that I'm a tycoon, that I'm a visionary. And if I say that, if I say those three things, then they'll say I'm a narcissist, right? But they push you down so much that you gotta fight just to, to say who you are. You know, I, what I got from the documentary, from the, from the Candace Owens documentary was, I felt like it was a setup. I felt that in the documentary, if you look at it, he told his roommates, they want a tall guy like me. They want a tall guy like me. Well, who is they? I'm gonna pose it as a question, as opposed to, you know, giving you some kind of theory that I can't pinpoint. Uh, and this idea of these, these martyrs that we have, it's 14 kids that's dying in Chicago every single day. And they have this uh, Jewish media, black media, trauma culture, trauma economy, the stuff that Charlemagne the God works for, the stuff that Rosenberg works for, the stuff that academics, the guys, the academics. You gotta understand all these people that y'all listening to out here, I'ma tell y'all, they getting their checks cut. You know, and y'all, I need y'all to really respect what I'm doing, the stuff that I'm doing and I'm saying online and love the fact, look, I got I got money, I got my songs. I could go off and just go to, you know, Hawaii and live a nice life. That means that God has called me to sacrifice all of that in order to bring the truth. That's what I'm saying. They don't cut my check. You listen to people that's getting their check cut by Jewish media. 
George Soros, come and meet with me directly. I told you, you ain't gonna send none of these people that you usually send, Charlemagne, we know all the names. Nori is a good guy. Like he said, he called me this morning, he said, maybe politics is a little bit too much for me. Everybody back up off of Nori. This is like, he was giving a platform. Interesting comments uh, by Kanye. Uh, and so we're going to unpack this by talking about his approval rating. Uh, we'll start with uh, job performance. I got him at a 24. He, he's, I, 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 I'm authentically starting to believe like God is using this very imperfect person to open people's eyes and minds to a reality about what's really going on. That and, and again, I don't care who it upsets. I'm not trying to upset people, but the man is exposing a unhealthy relationship between black celebrities and secular, non-religious Jewish people in Hollywood and in the music industry. And he's pointing that out. I'm both groups is what he's doing. He's, both groups are in error, and we need to have this discussion. I give him a 24 in job performance. Hats off to Kanye West. I gave him a 24 as well, Jason. I watched those three hours and 25 minutes that he did with Drink Champs. And one of the things I think was uh, error for him is sitting down, maybe talking to people that are not on your same intellectual level. There were so many times that you could tell his train of thought was completely going over their heads. I'm not even sure how they feel comfortable apologizing, except that you just didn't understand what the man was saying at all. Because when I watched it, I, wa I walked away with clarity. I walked away with understanding. Kanye talked about, okay, maybe the death uh, con three thing was too much. Maybe that was anti-Semitic. My father told me that I didn't articulate myself well. And he explained exactly what it meant to him, that it meant he was going into a place of protecting himself. He even said, I spelled it wrong. Like he was just so very open with that, that I'm like, how did these men miss all of that to the point where the next day you're apologizing, it's because you, you you never connected with him intellectually anyway. You wanted him there to for uh, views because you knew he would bring in a lot of views, but you missed the intellectual connection and the knowledge that he was actually giving out. I've heard for a very long time about Jews in Hollywood. If it wasn't for like Ice Cube and NW, uh, NWA, I wouldn't know about Jerry Heller. I only know that man is Jewish based on the raps and the things that they've said about him. So, you know, it's not that Kanye is saying anything new. He's actually, though, I guess because of social media and the way we're in this kind of cancel culture that is, oh my goodness. But many of us have heard this and known this to be the case for years, decades. So he, he has a 24 for me from being a soldier in the army right now that's not backing down. Uh Character. This is a little bit dicey to me as it relates to character. I'm, I'm high on Kanye. 
get it. But character, you know, he married a witch. Uh, and <laughs> he married Kim Kardashian. She put out a sex tape. And, you know, she's some kind of MK Ultra handler or whatever. And so, uh, you know, I can't go super, super duper high on Kanye's character. Uh, you know, he's a fallen man, not, not unlike me. And so, again, I gave him a 10 in character. I'd probably only give myself a 12 or a 14. So, you know, I, again, I, I'm not saying I'm much different. I was, I almost married a witch. Uh, so, so I'm just saying, anyway, I give him a 10 in character. And I gave him a 24. Listen, my assessment is what is happening with him right now. Ask me next week. He may do something that I don't think is right. And I'll give him a 10. But right now, I think because he had, he's a billionaire. If he wanted to just waltz into the sunset or ride off into the sunset and chuck the deuces and say, hey, y'all get what you get, he could really do that. But the fact that he, uh, with so much to lose or, um, you know, the scrutiny that he's under, character to me is he's really being strong and standing up and doing what he doesn't have to do. I probably would have chucked the deuces like, get raped. Get 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 ripped off. I don't care. I got mine. But the fact that he's actually standing fighting with the hopes that it can help somebody else, his character right now in my eyes is very strong. Mm. Uh, authenticity. I got no problems with Kanye's authenticity. Uh, you know, some people are like he's all over the map. One day he thinks this, he thinks about, you know, George Bush don't care about black people. Now he's on this side, he loves Donald Trump. I think he's very authentic about what he believes. He wears his beliefs on his sleeve. I give him a 23 in authenticity. I gave him a 24. This is Kanye's day uh, in, in my book. So he has a 24 <laughs> for me. <laughs> I think that he truly believes in what he's saying and what he is doing right now. So I think it's very authentic. Uh, and then it factor, the guy's dominating the news cycle. He's, you know, I hate to reference Twitter, but he's trending on Twitter for the last 10 days, two weeks, every day. He, he definitely has it. Everybody's talking about him. Everybody wants to interview him, even though they're not supposed to. They're supposed to be mad. They're trying to cancel him. I gave him a 24 in it factor. Apparently, he has it. You're right, because he has been trending. Every day I open Twitter, he's like at the top. So he has it, and I'm glad that it's him that's actually being the one put out there. You know, I was upset last night because I saw the statement that Ice Cube put out, and I was trying to think, you know, is Ice Cube, is he playing, or is he backing down? Ice Cube put out a statement? Oh, my God, yes, and I'm so upset about it. Jason, uh oh. This what? It, oh boy! I wish I had known that. Yeah, he put out a statement that read, "I screenshot it." That's how mad I was. He says, oh, "I hate that my know. name was dragged into this drunk champs bull." Uh, you know what? I don't know what Ye meant by his statements. You're gonna have to ask him. I didn't put. I didn't put the batteries in his back. Please leave my name out of all the anti-Semitic talk. I'm not anti-Semitic and never have been. 
that's a lie. Like, <laughs> what do you mean you never have been? And so I don't know if he was just trying to be funny or if he's bowing like everyone else is. I'm just like, at this oh, point. Oh, he's bowing. Yeah, everybody oh, he's bowing. Is, yeah, they're folding faster than a, a, a trans penis. Like, what? What is, what's going on here? Because we remember Ice Cube. We don't have amnesia. No Vaseline alone. We could get that you had an issue with Jews being in charge. Oh, my God. I mean, I'm shocked <laughs> and I'm looking at the statement now. I, I can't. Yeah, he's in so. business. He's in business in the big three where he is reliant on them for or a person of of that uh, persuasion or I, I don't want to say religion because I'm it's probably secular, uh, mm -hmm. but he's in business. And so he, he he may be in a dependent position, but shocking statement from Ice Cube. But, you know, yes. These it's dudes fold. I mean, th th again, Ice Cube is not just the whole Jerry Heller thing, but this dude was like down with the nation of Islam, promoting Farrakhan, the whole nine yards. And now you're going to back away from Kanye West? Right. Oh, and, and, and Kanye ain't, you know, wow. Yeah, that was disappointing. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So Kanye had uh, it, really. The anointing. Yes, he the does. All right. Life. So I got him at an 81. Uh, you've got him at uh, 96, blazing hot. I got him at a smoke show. You've shocked me with this ice cube. Wow. Mm, mm, mm. Ice cube. He done. Woo. All right. Interesting. Uh, Shamika, before I let you go, I wanted to tell you about another rapper. Uh, friend of the show, friend of yours. Uh, did you see Bryson Gray's newest song? I did, did, did about have, Alex Jones and Kanye. I, we're going to play it. Uh, I, I, I think it's one of the hardest hitting rap songs I, I've heard. I love this song. Uh, let's, let's take a look at uh, Bryson Gray's latest song. This dude is talented. Look what they did to Alex Jones. They trying to rob him of every single thing he owns. How you get sued for a Billy for saying something wrong? They won't stop till everybody being watched by drones. And look what they did to Ye. They want everything. JP Morgan banned his account, but they do Epstein. They care more about Kanye West than they do sex rings. It's like you only have free speech if you left wing. And he wore a White Lives Matter shirt with Candace so instead She showed her BLM money winning. They both exposed him. He need to get closer to God, though, that's what I'm hoping. Because the deep, they hate the stars when they can't control them. They met Donald Trump while he was sitting president. I guess they don't care if that sets a dangerous precedent. Now they rating him and Mike Lindell without evidence. Is this still America and what it represents? And that's why I'm out here flexing while I'm slaying demons. We living in the end of times, you should show a season. Politicians betray this country, they committing treason. It's all for power, so they laughing while the country bleeding. 
Look what they did to Alex Jones. They trying to rob him of every single thing he owns. How you get sued for a Billy for saying something wrong? They won't stop till everybody being watched by Jones. And look what they did to Ye. They want everything. JP Morgan banned his account, but they do Epstein. They care more about Kanye West than they do sex rings. It's like you only have free speech if you left wing. Look what they did to Andrew Tate. They banned Snickle too. And everything they did to me, they gon' do to you. They run experiments on people like we in the zoo. They scare you in the silence if you have a different view. But you can talk sex, murder, push kids to switch their gender. You can't preach repentance, but you can tell them to be sinners. Biden's daughter exposed them, but nobody gon' remember. The D's and R's work together. I know that y'all back to differ, but look what they did to Alex Jones. They trying to rob him of every single thing he owns. How you get sued for a Billy for saying something wrong? They won't stop till everybody being watched by drones. And look what they did to Ye. They want everything. JP Morgan banned his account, but they do Epstein. They care more about Kanye West than they do sex rings. It's like you only have free speech if you left wing. When I heard this yesterday, this reminded me of the first time when I was a kid and KRS-One had a song, Why Is That? And I can remember being in my car and hearing KRS-One and I almost came to tears. Like, this is the hardest thing I ever heard. I, was, I mean, I was a huge KRS-One fan. That's how I felt. It's like, somebody's finally making some real music. Like, this is what rap music was in the late 80s, early mm -hmm. 90s, KRS-One, Public Enemy. They were actually challenging the system and writing music that, that really challenged the establishment. This Bryson Gray, all I originally knew about Bryson Gray was Let's Go Brandon and thought, oh, that's a nice little gimmick. No, this dude is a cold, cold rapper. Yeah, and this song, uh, it didn't even make me grasp my pearls. Like, there have been songs that Bryson put out that I feel like goes even harder than this song. His last album, I guess it was the last album, I sat and listened to it with my daughter from beginning to end. And I know there were a couple times that I said, oh, my God, did he just say that? And would rewind because I couldn't believe he just said that. Uh, I think Bryson... He's another one that's actually not going to back down. He's actually going full throttle. Like, this is who Bryson is. So I'm, I wasn't shocked when I heard it because I'm like, this is what Bryson does. He, Let's Go Brandon was kind of fun, but he has some things coming after uh, the, the gender identity and them grooming kids and uh, transgender. Like, he does not hold anything back this this is who Bryson is. Thank you, Shamika. Awesome Thank job. You. All right, get your Fearless Harmony swag at shopblazemedia.com slash fearless. Tennessee Harmony with Pastor Anthony Walker and Dave Shannon. X. Jason Whitlock, Fearless. They caught me a little bit by surprise. I wasn't 
quite ready, but I am ready because it's, it's Tennessee Harmony. We're going to end on a very positive spiritual note. Uh, I'll be in a good mood when this is over. I started the day in a great mood listening to gospel music. Now we get to end the day talking some Tennessee Harmony. We'll do a little Bible study later in the day. I'm going to get a second workout in the day. I feel so good and energized. Uh, Anthony uh, Walker is here in studio with us as always, Pastor Anthony. Dave Shannon joining us from Idaho via Skype. Uh, Pastor Anthony, if you would bless our conversation, we'll then get into it. Father God, we are so thankful for this day and the blessings that you've given us. Father, help us to always uh, be mindful of opportunities to do well, to speak well, and to conduct ourselves as you would have us to. Bless our conversation today. We pray that more is gained about your will and your way. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, guys, yesterday I was talking about a slippery slope that we're on as it relates to Kanye West, Alex Jones, Donald Trump, Louis Farrakhan, this whole canceling of people uh, based on speech defined as unhealthy or hate speech or whatever. And it sounded, well, Donald Trump, Farrakhan, those guys, they deserve it. And, and uh, Alex Jones, he deserved it. He said what he said was wrong about Sandy Hook. And Kanye West, what he said about Jewish people is wrong. They deserve it. And, and, and I'm just like, let, let's be careful here. Free speech isn't going to be comfortable or right or accurate all the time. And, and I said yesterday about freedom and how you actually spell freedom. The, the dumb is actually spelled D-U-M-B, free dumb. And you have to allow dumbness to actually have free. And, and so I saw a story this morning about what's going on in Australia that kind of ties all this uh, together in my, in my mind in terms of like, this is a slippery slope. We, you start identifying, oh, this person and that person's bad. They don't deserve a platform. We gotta silence them. We got to be careful about that. People have to be allowed. There's so many dumb things I've said and done in my life, and I'm glad that I was never canceled and actually have an opportunity to course correct and become a better person. And, and by sometimes by me uttering stupid things, it actually gave other people the opportunity to correct some of the stupid things that I thought and think and for me to adjust. That's why free speech is so important. And so I wanna tell you guys about what's going on in Australia, and all of this is connected. It's gonna eventually get over here to America. Andrew Thornburn, a former banker, was appointed chief executive of the Essendon Football Club on September 27th. This is an Australian uh, rules football league team that he's in charge of. A little more than a day later, he was forced to resign from the prominent footy club because of his connection to a conservative Melbourne church. In a public statement, Thornburn, Thornburn summed the situation up briefly. My personal Christian faith is not tolerated or permitted in the public square. The article goes on to say, I want to go, Thornburn is chair of the board at City on a Hill, an evangelical Anglican church that started in Melbourne in 2007. It currently has eight sites, five are in Melbourne. The founding pastor, 
Guy Mason is affiliated with Acts 29. Acts 29 is a plant, church planning, church, Nash, uh, global institution. The book of Acts has 28 chapters. Acts 29 is hell in itself. We're the 29th chapter. We're planting churches and supporting plant or church planting churches. We're supporting them as well. And so in 2013, this is back to the story, Mason preached about homosexuality, calling same-sex marriage a or same-sex sex a sin. He has also spoken from the pulpit about abortion at one point, comparing the number of terminations of unwanted pregnancies to the Holocaust. Online clips of the sermon surfaced after Thornburn's appointment, creating a scandal. Thornburn's short stint and dramatic resignation may be one of the most egregious examples of someone being forced out of a prominent position for their affiliation with conservative Christianity. His resignation is especially shocking because no one has accused him of saying or doing anything inappropriate. According to the Essendon board, Thornburn doesn't even hold the offensive views that the club found unacceptable. <laughs> this is, and again, this is, I'm, sports, I started off the show talking about the NFL raising the white flag, the NHL raising the white flag, everybody's giving in to this new religion of race and abandoning the religion of God and Christianity and, and just faith and our thoughts as believers are being outlawed in the public square and it can cost you your job. Uh, Anthony, get us, well, I just, your reaction to this story. It's, it's really dangerous uh, because beyond trying to restrict speech, now the effort is we want to restrict just what you believe. Uh, and even kind of in the conclusion that you were reading, they were saying he hasn't done anything or said anything, especially in the space. And I think he was only on the job for 30 hours. Like he hasn't done anything yet, but because they link back to, well, you are affiliated with this church or you're affiliated with something that believes these things. Um, I think that's, that's extremely dangerous. And if we are going down a similar path to where you know, just trying to police what a person believes, not how they respond, not how they converse, just how you believe. Uh, we are in a very, very dangerous space, man. It's crazy. Dave, to me, I read this story and it's just like, hey, if you have Christian faith and beliefs, you're out and you espouse any of them or connected anybody that espouses any of them, you're unfit for a leadership position. That's crazy to me. Yeah, you know, Aaron Rand talks about this. He's a cultural analysis, and he talked about this uh, positive, negative, neutral world that, uh, as he lays out kind of where we are in history, we're actually in the negative world. Now, I think he says the positive Christian world was 
you know, from early to 1994. That's kind of the when Christianity was positive. Being a Christian was a good thing. You can go to your job. People say, so where do you go to church at? And oh, you do go to church. Oh, we love to have you here. That's the positive Christian world. That kind of came to a neutral place. Probably um, he marks it in 1994 to 2014, where it's kind of like, you know, your Christianity is like, eh, you can be a Christian. You cannot be a Christian. We don't really care. It's not inside the culture that we want to know that even. Christianity is neutral in its influence in society and culture. Then there's this negative world after 2014 up until present where it's it's a negative thing now to actually have Christian ethics and values and to be a Christian and to hold to Christianity could affect how the public and culture sees you. It's negative now. The thing that is insane about this is that I don't think this is a secular judgment. I don't think this is a secular push. What I think this is, Jason, I think that this is a judgment from God. I think what we're seeing is God doing this to us. Um, I don't credit this to the world. What I mean by that is when you have had the stage to preach the gospel as clearly and as articulately and to be bold about uh, who Jesus is and to live in a particular way in culture and society that glorifies the name of Jesus, and you haven't done that, then what God will do is will judge you. And one of the ways that he does that is turn over the society away from you against you. This is basic blessing and curses in Deuteronomy 28. If you honor God and you obey his commandments and you do what he tells you to do, then even your enemies have to bend the knee. They won't overcome you. You'll be blessed in the city. You'll be blessed in the field. You'll be blessed when you go in. You'll be blessed when you come out. That's what Deuteronomy is saying. When you keep the laws of God, when you honor God and you love God and you proclaim the gospel of God, there's blessings with that. But if you find yourself in a place where your enemies are overtaking you and you are being outlawed, you don't look at them and say, oh my goodness, Lord, they're coming against me. You have to stop and say, wait a second, where have I failed to honor God in such a way that my enemies now have the authority to come and take me out of the position of authority and power? That is on us. We talk about it all the time on the show, Jason, that uh, when we look at our homes, when we look at our culture, when we look at our society, men are the ones who are federally responsible for their homes and their houses. If the culture and society is going astray, it's because men have broken down in some way. And that's the same thing here. Worship is first. When worship breaks down, then the culture that comes from that starts to break down. And when that culture breaks down, then the politics breaks down. So if we're going to do an analysis of what's happening right now and why we are in the negative world where people who hold to Christian values— can't even hold a job for 30 hours, we have to start back and look and say, well, what kind of gospel have we been proclaiming that there is no liberty in society? The gospel, Jesus, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. If we don't have liberty, it's because we don't have the spirit of the Lord. And if we don't have the spirit of the Lord, it's because we haven't been proclaiming it. Yeah, that's rich. <laughs> that's rich. I, it's, it's, too rich for me, Anthony. That's why you're here. So I need you to carry me as I process okay. what he what he just said. Yeah. So uh, underlining a couple of points that uh, Dave just made there, uh, God, while He can make us move a particular way or make us do, He has given us choices, free will. Okay, if you 
you choose me, you obey me, you will have these blessings. That's what he's referring to in Deuteronomy. But if you reject me, you will have these cursings. These things will happen and he's not going to stand in the way. And so when we continue to go down a path where, as Dave points out, men are not standing as they should. Houses, marriages are not supposed to be like they should. Like prior to what the government does or says, the government is not designed to do what God designed man to do. The, the, the world is not to be run in a particular way that God has not ordained us to do it first. He's wanting the world. If you're going to look to anybody's marriage, anybody's community, anybody's preacher, hey, look at my people and see what I've charged them to do and look at how it works there. But when we have devolved to where we're not living it out, working it out as he's called us to, we will reap the benefit or, or the punishment rather of what we are seeing now. Um, and the other side of it that I look to is there is a rejection of truth that's going, you know, worldwide. You know that. And, and the thing about it, one of the instances that Paul had with teaching the truth, one of the scriptures I have listed for is Galatians chapter four, uh, verse 14 through 16. Paul says, at my trial uh, that was in my flesh, you did not despise or reject, but you received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. What then was the blessing uh, you enjoyed? For I bear you witness that if possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. Have I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? And the reason that scripture came to my mind uh, about this uh, executive is at the bank, he's a good dude. They, they really didn't have an issue with him while he's an executive at the bank. But when he comes into the sports world, now they're going to look into and find out, wait a minute, who is this guy? What church does he go to? What do they believe? And what have we heard them say? And what about the preacher of that church, et cetera, et cetera? They go down to this line and Paul is saying basically to the Galatians, he said, at one point I told you the same truth and I'm your friend. But now because you have changed, now this truth makes you want to reject me. And it's vitally important for those of us who uh, bear the cross, those of us who uh, are, are Christians, that we must remain in the truth whether the world accepts us or not. Don't change the truth to accommodate them. Stay with the truth. If they change, yes, they're going to reject you because you've remained with the truth. So, <laughs> Dave... I, I, this will be my feeble because what you said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna rewatch tonight, <laughs> and uh, I'm gonna think about because you, you, man, that's heavy. And the, here's my reaction. You, you hit it something that sounds so truthful to me because when I'm on the internet or social media, I will see things now that are so shocking to me that, and I'm gonna give just a real simple example that anybody on social media probably has seen, but lives a TikTok, or no, Sarah Gonzalez, that actually works for The Blaze. She was on Tucker Carlson last night, uh, but because she went someplace in Texas where they had some kind of drag show, family-oriented, kid-friendly drag show, and I saw this video on social media. This man dressed as a woman is dancing, and it's mostly adults, the song is 
one of the crudest I, did, I don't know if yeah. you saw this saw it was all the p it. word you can eat this p yeah. word this p word but p p p p p and she's di- and then you see right behind the drag queen this 5 6 year old child and and I'm looking at this and just seeing the adults that seem to be enjoying this with the lyrics playing and all even if there was no kid there I'm still like Really? And then, but when you see the kid, and so my reaction, I, it took all of my discipline last night, because I was like, I'll probably get in trouble, but I was like, I wanted to tweet out, we should all burn in hell for this. And, and <laughs> I didn't do it. But that is where my mind went, is like, we all, I can sit here and wag my finger at them, but I think we're all going to pay a price for what we're tolerating to be done to our kids. And I say our kids not having any, but they are our kids. I'm allowing this. And I feel like I deserve a harsh judgment for that. And that seems to be kind of what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is part of what I'm saying. And here, let me just push the issue just a little more. When 2013, they went, first of all, Jason, what this is already here in America. You had Kevin Hart, who was pushed out of hosting, what was it, the Grammys or um, Oscars. the Oscars? Oscars? It was the Oscars. Yeah, for some stuff that he had said years ago. Years ago. And it wasn't that gross, but they shut him down. And nobody really, very few people came to his defense in that moment. But here's where I want to push it to. When they decided to fire Andrew, it um, was Thurnborn. When they decided to fire him because of the sermon that his church had preached on, what we didn't see was a whole bunch of churches saying, oh, wait, we can't preach what the Bible (laughs) says? Well, guess what Sunday is going to be like? We're going to get together every church that believes in the Bible to preach that exact same sermon. We are going to preach this until the Overton window on the culture moves, until people believe that Jesus saves homosexuals. We've neglected to preach the gospel out of fear of it because we don't believe that it has the power to save the very people we're talking about. Jason, that's what drives me nuts with the transgender stuff and drives me nuts with the drag queen story hour. We know it's morally wrong and we, we get that there's a problem happening, but we forget that the gospel is the antidote to the problem. Not just calling out the problem, but saying, man, Jesus saves people like this. Jesus transforms the hearts of people like this and gives them a new desire to love him. And that's why we're trying to proclaim the gospel, because this leads to death, people. This leads to death and despair, not just in the life to come, but in this current life. But Christ came to give you new life so that you can be made new. And if you repent, he will save you. That is the message that we need to be preaching. And these churches had the opportunity to do that, Jason, to move that Overton window. But they didn't do it. That is the condemnation. That is why we're currently in this situation, because they didn't take the moment to proclaim the gospel. And this is what Paul is talking about. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because that is the power of God into salvation. But because we're ashamed of it, that Overton window, that ability to have free speech, that ability to be able to communicate and talk about the beauties of life and have human flourishing is being shut down because we won't push. Anthony, having met your mentor, Charles, who led you 
led the church that you grew up in. Mm -hmm. He's 70, 71 years old. Uh, can you see this difference in terms of the environment you're preaching in as opposed to the environment he was preaching in as you were growing up as a kid in terms of ministers being more free and more supported in just standing on truth and some harsh truths. Whereas, cause, cause again, Anthony, I, I think ministers are in tough spots. It's like, again, we don't have exactly what they have going on in Australia, but we're moving that direction. Mm -hmm. And so it's like the things that pastor Anthony could preach could cost someone in his church a promotion or a leadership position at work. If so, it's like if I stand in front of my congregation and talk about abortion mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. disagree with the people that are pro abortion, or if I disagree with the people that are pro same sex marriage or transgender, but I could potentially harm someone in my congregation in their career. That, that ha that's an incredible flip, I think, in just, you've been here 40 years or 38 years or whatever. What a dramatic change mm -hmm. it, it has to be. Do you feel that pressure at all? Do you so you, you actually led me to the, the verse uh, that he encouraged me in as a young minister. Um, John, Jesus tells his disciples in John chapter 15, he says, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. And he continues in verse 21 by saying, but all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. So he encouraged me in that as a young minister to always stand with Jesus, to always stand with that. And any pushback that I get, any rejection that I get, it's not because of me directly, but it's because the world hates Jesus. OK, uh, the culture, the, 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 the realm, this fleshly realm that Satan is running, it hates Jesus. And to those who hate him, they hate him because they don't know about God. So as a preacher, I walk in that now to the members that I preach to and to understand that culture has shifted so much that even like with this guy, the sermon that is preached while you're there, you're just in attendance could come back to get you. This is the same thing that I'm encouraging even the young adults and, and our church is full of young adults, uh, parents um, with young kids to know, yes, this is the word that will that the world will judge you for. But I'm also encouraging them that kind of like what Dave was saying earlier, when we live a way that is against culture, but that is holy, is beneficial. The world can't do anything but look at it to say, well, wait a minute, I may not agree with everything he's saying, but look at how they treat their kids. Look at how they treat their wives. Look at how the communities where many Christians live, look at how they function. We may not like it. We may not agree with it, understand it. But man, it really is working out. Maybe we ought to try. That's how our life should be. But the, you know, 
the mark against us sometimes is, man, we're getting divorced as much, if not more, as some of the rest of the world. Or we're allowing, you know, our children to be raised by, you know, TV and social media and we're not there. Fathers, we're not there and we're not running our homes. And so, again, it's a point against us. But I, I'm, I'm preaching the full gospel on this to say, yes, we're going to be hated because of what we believe. And we're going to be hated sometimes just because they hate Jesus. But when we live, when our conversation and our conduct is at a biblical standard, the world has to look and has to accept that this is the truth. And that's the thing that points everybody back to God. Anthony, I'm sitting here thinking about our visit down to Dallas and Tony Evans and his church. Oh, yeah. And when yeah. I start thinking about solutions mm -hmm. as it relates to the it, it, it's they're trying to build their own separate basically universe. Yes. And and that I'm reading this story hammered and reminded me is like we have to be entrepreneurs as Christians mm -hmm. and create businesses where we get to establish the culture mm -hmm. and no one has to be ashamed. And so when I when I think of solutions, a separate economy or a mirror economy and, and Dave, I know in Idaho the church you're involved in. And again, one of the reasons that Acts 29 is a Calvinist movement. That's one of the reasons I wanted to include you in this conversation. But uh, my takeaway from all of this is like, if we can't as believers build businesses and employ each other, we're always going to be left to the whims of the secular world and we're always going to be vulnerable. And so, you know, a counter, a separate economy is is one step towards moving towards a solution. Yeah, um, the plan hasn't changed. The solution hasn't changed. It's really, really simple. And, and it's a little more long term, I think, than what most people actually want, Jason. But this is actually the plan. You you find a wife, you, you marry her, you love her, you have children and you worship God and you love your neighbor. And from that, once that is in place, you have good men who make good societies, who create freedom everywhere in great economies. You gotta remember the idea of economy, it comes from uh, house law, economy, right? Like house law. It is echo, the house, name, law. That's what those two things are. It comes from the home. And so the solution is there. Rightly placed worship, is always the key to this. And when we get these things wrong, we have misplaced loves. The first love is God. And I'm saying this because if you go and you look at Chronicles, Chronicles is going through the history of kings and Israel and what's going on there. And there's moments where Israel repents. They get their worship right. And though they haven't gotten their country and economics and stuff right because the walls are still destroyed and they're down. There's no defenses whatsoever for Israel, but they have a good king, a good leader who restores worship because they repent to God. If you have a destroyed city and broken down walls and you have enemies coming in, you don't fix the walls. You get worship right. Worship fixes the problem. That's the real problem. That's the fallout. And so once they got worship right, 
then what would happen is the enemies would come upon them thinking that Israel was like what they were before. And what God would literally do is send angels down to defend them, even though they did not have the borders, the defenses, the warriors. They didn't have anything else set up in place. But God was right with them so that even their enemies had to be put to stop. If we get worship right and we get this function and flow of society right, starting with man, woman in the house, what God will do for his people will be miraculous. The reason we don't see those kind of miracles anymore is because we don't trust God that type of way anymore. We think that we have to do it all. We need the work of the spirit to do this. This is not going to come just from natural means. We are in a supernatural fight right now. Mm -hmm. And until we get worship right, our walls, our economy, and the destruction of that is going to be in the same place no matter how hard we work. Uh, Convicted, guilty, repenting. Uh, I I, I listen to this and I was in tears just now. I'm not going to lie to you because I'm I, I feel it as a father. I feel it as a man and I'm repenting. But until we get that, once we get that, my God, what would he do with that? What would he do with men who have changed hearts, who fear God and proclaim his truth? I can't wait to see it happen. And I'm excited about it. But we got to turn our hearts back to Jesus. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I got to go. Play the music. How did we end up so divided? Stop fighting and stand tall. To be a nation, one united. Now we're headed for a downfall. God, let your light shine down. What we need more than anything now. Tell us Cause together we're so much Get to me. Open up your eyes. 